Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Good morning, City Life. Incredible to see you all. We just completed 21 days of prayer together. And if you missed it all, and it's your first time here, it's all good. What I believe that the 21 days has done is just cultivate more of a fragrance and a posture to what God is always doing. He's unlimited, he's always present, and he's always active. And for the next couple weeks, what I would hope to kind of be the guide for us on is we all want to make a difference in our life. Like no one wakes up and says, man, I just don't, I don't want to look, I want to look back and, and just have tons of regret. I hope I just make every mistake in life. That's said no one ever. How do we make it count? How do we build something that's not in vain? How do we get the horse ready for battle, but it's the Lord who gives the victory? And first this year, praying, may we not forget as we go forward, spring and summer as a people, to love the city one life at a time, individually in our homes, our spheres, where we work in our jobs, but to really let God build it. it life is a science also an art. There's a mystery involved of how God builds, but one of the often rhythm and disciplines has to be, God, we stop. We wait. We planted. We watered. But we need you to make it grow. You're the rock. You're the cornerstone. Am I lined up with you? And so that's not something we do at the beginning of the year only. It's something that we're going to just do. And so today is titled Wisdom beyond our years. Wisdom beyond our years. D.L. Moody has a sobering quote, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Very, very sobering. Thinking of wisdom, the difference of wisdom between just facts or knowledge, because you can be book smart, but maybe not wise. You can have a lot of head knowledge, but not know how to apply it. One definition says wisdom is knowledge and the capacity to make due use of it. So if you've heard, knowledge is power. Well, not necessarily. Knowledge, when applied at the appropriate time or setting, is power. Knowing when to use that knowledge. Think about it. If someone knows a lot and they tell you everything they know, when you just maybe need a hug, they could know a lot, but wisdom says otherwise. So we're going to go to the text and we'll get information today. But God's word is alive, sharper than any sword. It'll cut to our souls if we allow it to have transformation for us. Matthew 6, 26 through 34, 
the bumper that came before me reading some of this chapter from the most peaceful voice on the planet Earth, our one and only intern, uh, Antonio Ant-Man back there, Anthony. And my goodness, just, he, he likes being behind the scenes, but we were like, please, will you record it? When you talk, it's just like, I want to lay down, you know? And the chapter is so beautiful that it reminds us, no matter what's going on around us, that, that, uh, that God's got it. And so we're going to look at a character. We'll do a, a download, and we find this character in this chapter. Uh, it says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Let, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his life spanned by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, so that's the name, hold on to, Solomon, in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Now, when we read thrown in the furnace, sometimes we can, um, we can get an unhealthy tension or perspective or imbalance that we're so focused on the future new earth, new heaven, that God is going to make all things new that we forget we're also called to steward what he's made today. And that speaks of the judgment that everything will be tested. There will, it'll be tested by fire that those in Christ will reign and rule with him and he will make all things new. But that is not discount stewarding today. So don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? Fasting, it puts our body in check quick. And it's crazy how, how like the war of, man, I want something. And every time we exercise prayer or fasting, we're really putting into perspective what matters most. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. So therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has, a trouble, has enough trouble of its own. Wildflowers, birds, seek first God. But yet there's a character right in the midst of there, Solomon. It says that not even Solomon in all of his splendor is adorned like God's creation if you just look out. Okay, so who's Solomon? Solomon, he was unthinkably rich and had every resource you could imagine on this planet. He is known as the wisest person that's ever walked the face of earth. And he... I mean, he knows lavish lifestyle. What is it? S- uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Like, I mean, he's got all that and then some. And in fact, when you look at him at the end of his life, he seems to be a little bit empty. And so why is he referenced here? Well, he was used by God, and David was his dad, and, and how he started the mission first is, is it set the trajectory for the course of his life of how God blessed him. 
But let's go to Ecclesiastes in a minute. Look at Solomon's end of his life. Could we succeed at something that doesn't matter? So here's Solomon that has everything. Many believe he penned these words. And this, this, this book is unlike any book in all of Scripture. The way it almost feels morbid. And we can relate because life gets hard. Super hard. So much so that you're just like, man, God, take me. Pfft, does anything matter? Like the Grinch. Just a Scrooge, bah humbug. Want nothing to do with anything. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Well, that's the sermon for today. Be blessed. Love you guys. God's making all things new. Have the best day of your lives. See ya. So that's the song. It's, it's over. Verse three, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. I mean, this is melancholy of melancholy. This is just, wow. Verse 8, everything is wearisome beyond description. Can't even describe how heavy it is. It's just that hard. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Metaverse, TikTok, IG, scroll, another like, another thing. Not enough candy, not enough food, not enough nightclubs, just not enough. History merely repeats itself, wars and nonstop. It, it has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new. But actually, it is old. <laughs> Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past and in the future generations. No one will ever remember what we are doing now. Wow. This is Eeyore. You know? But we can all relate with that at some level, at some point in our life. So if Solomon's penned this and had everything, if that's the tone of the ending then maybe what we have or what we succeed in doesn't matter. So how do we get wisdom beyond our years? Well, if Solomon is, has such splendor, how did Solomon's journey start? Let's look at a journey out of 1 Kings 3, where Solomon has a prayer response with God going to that. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. You know the movies where you rub the genie lamp and you can get three wishes? But you're only allowed to get three because the natural question would be, well, can I have more wishes? You know, I want unlimited wishes. But you're only granted so many. Imagine this. This is an interaction with God, a dream, that is going to literally play out. But Solomon's not sure. Is it a dream? Is it reality? Turns out to be a dream. And in this, God says to him, ask what I shall give you. Well, he most surely had to have asked for castles and kingdoms and all of the, the fast-paced life and then realized, man, God turned him over to all those desires. And you had everything, and at the end, everything's meaningless. 
But Solomon's tone is completely different. This prayer has put me on my face many times to say, oh my goodness, God, I want this heart. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. Backstory there, David's not defined by his failure. He's defined by his faith, and he's a man after God's own heart. And David is the dad of Solomon. So here you have generational faith playing out. God's divine plan ultimately going to be fulfilled in Jesus and continued in me and you. Whoa. How about that job description? You and I still getting to be the the ecclesia, the church on the move, the kingdom on the move in us, through us, the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to all people groups and everywhere in the world. You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, in in uprightness of heart towards you. And one thing you'll notice in uh, when characters are winning in Scripture, because one of the things I love about the Bible is it shows the failures of mankind too. And if you and me are writing a, a, a biography about our lives, we're going to be tempted to kind of take those out of it. But the point is that humanity, there's depravity. We're weak, we're broken, but God is the one who has steadfast love, and Jesus is the fullness of heaven, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Godhead is, is what the glory is about, and then he's using, he's partnering with us as an extension. This is so neat. But yet you'll also notice the biblical characters will, will rem, remind and remember as if we are connected to our past to move forward. Saying, hey, I recognize the past of what went on with David and my dad. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love which you have given him a son to to sit on his throne this day. And now, oh Lord, my God. Remember, you can ask anything. You have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child. So Solomon, to be a king... And ultimately, no king ever fulfilled the seat like Jesus, the king Jesus who shows up. But God's people wanted to be like everyone else. Give us kings. They got kings. Give us judges. They had God. That song, nothing else, nothing else. You and me, we want to build something great. You know what you got? Got God. I got God. Period. We got God. And Solomon gets this. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. He's focused on God. He's focused on his weakness. And he's focused on, hey, you care about your people. And so his heart is so connected to what God wants to do. Too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, this is the ask, therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. Pause. Solomon prayed to be like God, to lead God's people knowing that when God leads, things are good. This is a prayer of purity. It's 
It's recognizing every role I'm in. May I love God and love people. Nothing more, nothing less. Whether I have some or I have lack, it doesn't, it's about God and your people. It's a hard prayer to get to because you got to stop everything else. Like nothing else matters, just God and his people. And watch what the response of God is. Verse 10. This is why it's wisdom beyond our years. Wisdom is choosing God's knowledge. It is pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and not, have not asked for yourself long life, you didn't use a wish there, or riches or the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has ever been before you or none like you shall ever rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked. This is so cool. It's like, hey, bonus. You get riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days to ultimately just display God's glory. The, 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 the cause and effect is always not played out in our life and realized. So this isn't a one for one. So let's say I say, oh God, I want wisdom to discern your people. And then, okay, okay God, remember that riches and honor thing? It's time, right? No, no, I don't even... I think Solomon just prayed this, not even knowing what would come. And at the end of his life realized, man, I got lost in the riches. I just wanted to discern what God wanted to do. And that's why everything apart from God is meaningless. But God in it gives it meaning. Whether you're in the palace or you're out in the pig's pen, with God, there's meaning. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, but then I will lengthen your days. So if you heed to the wisdom of heaven, to do it God's way, to follow the Torah, to, to, to be a complete student and a learner, not just get information, but transformation, then there is life. But we get lost on this journey, friends. We just get lost. And um, I want to take us to Romans 1 of what getting lost can look like. You guys still with me? Every, sometimes you don't just got to get loud and we don't got to shout. I mean, it is what it is. We're here. I want this to just, you know, sober us up. It says, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. So this debunks the whole idea. Well, do people know there's a God? Well, how would they know unless we preach? How beautiful are the feet? Absolutely, we gotta preach the good news and go. But no person is without excuse. God has made it evident that he's God by creation. I've heard people, in, uh, when there's a baby being born, they're just like, I just cannot deny a God. This is supernatural. I don't even know. 
or people in nature that are like, I don't know, but there just must be a God. Because there's so much order, you know? You see the fingerprints. And that's what Romans is reminding us here, that everyone knows, just look outside. Now, you might not know how or particularly which one. And one of my favorite things uh, of prayer these last 21 days is a phrase when Tina led us for worship is leads the way and worship as a weapon. It says, we might, she said, we might not always be how, we might not always know how, but we know who. Like her kids, they don't know how to get out of a situation, but they know who to call. So we're ultimately proclaiming that God has shown up through Jesus. And one of the, the, the hardest statements is, well, why is there only one way if Jesus is the only way? When you flip it the opposite way, thank God there's even a way to get to God. Because none of us can get to God. Jesus came and he got God back to us. This is different. So not all gods are the same, but God has made himself, uh, he needs no introduction. He's got a whole world proclaiming who he is. So watch this, verse 21. For they, though they knew God, so wait, they knew God. They did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Even as early as back as I can remember, even before I started following Jesus, I can remember, man, there, there has to be a God. Just, ugh. But I wanted to do things my way, my sin nature. Instead, their thinking became worthless. So turning away from God's plan, his blueprints, and their senseless hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. Look at us, we're wise. And it is quite neat how we are allowed to create and experiment and discover in God's playground that he's allowed us to be in. It's so neat. Like, thank God for scientists. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for so many different scholars that are at the cutting edge of progressing us as a people. That's awesome. But where it starts to get really dark is we think we're the ones who are wise. Or we're the ones figuring out God. It's like the Tower of Babel. We'll just, we'll figure out a way to get there. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. You can see this play out uh, all across the world. Look at the statues we put out front. Look at the imagery we put out front. Even some really nice homes. You know, they'll have the lions out front or the gargoyles. Now, they can just be there for art and decor, but in some weird way, we've exchanged that we think God's power isn't as important as to the power of what we see or the things. And it can happen so subtly, so subtly. So it's not an issue if you have those things. It's just where does our hope and our help come from? Therefore, God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged, look, look, look at this. What is, what is not being wise beyond our years look like? They exchanged the truth of God for a life and worshiped and served what was, has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. When we take any type of thing and make it more important than 
the gift giver, the gift, more important than who he is, the creator, what's created, we get it twisted. And Solomon's prayer reminds us, hey, God, you're in charge. I want wisdom to discern your people. I want to lead. So that wisdom's here for us today. It is. Look at Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This might be one to just go back and listen to again. Not because I'm sweet. I just think there's a lot here for us. That's not just one of these on a Sunday like, I don't know, it just was sweet. I felt good, and then I got my pick-me-up, and I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? No, because we're going to go out there. We're going to want to put the cart before the horse. And we got to even ask, God, do you even want me to have a horse? Do you want me to have a cart? Do I sell the horse? Do I give the horse? I think sometimes when we just say that, he's like, yeah, you can have the horse. I'll give you honor too. Now, fear of the Lord can be defined as the continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating everything we think, say, and do. So fear in, that particu- in this particular, not, not only it's referenced, fear is referenced many different times, and it does mean literal, but, but, but think of this in this picture that it's so being aware, <laughs> aware that the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So I want God's blueprint. I want his text to shape me, lead me, teach me. Well, look at the verse of today on Bible Gateway. And what was so neat is we have such a connection with Bible Gateway. We called, this is James, we called them today and we said, hey, make sure we're going to be preaching on wisdom. Will you make the verse of the day about this? And they did it. And so now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. You think, well, that was for Solomon then. Are you sure? Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, not to just leaders, not to just pastors. He wants to give to all of his kids, and it will be given to him. That's how we're closing. That, I want to be wise, don't you? I know you too. We want to make a difference. We want to sound the alarm on everything that's not like God. Whatever he's not building, God, burn it. Please get it out of us. We don't want to look back and succeed at something that doesn't matter. Worship team, if you guys would come up front. And this week I was on the phone with uh, my pastor, Brad Leach, City Life Philly, getting coaching. And it's just so cool to just posture myself and learn from a Jesus Jedi like him. And what I loved is we're both around the same age. And being in, being in our 40s, I loved what he said, how he was kicking off the year. He was telling me about how he was fasting, and I won't get into specifics, but he goes, I just don't want to forget the hunger of when I started. He's like, I just want to remember, like, when I was in college, and I want that hunger. I want to be dependent and desperate on God. I thought, dude, that's what it looks like every step of the journey. So that I won't get to a place in my life where it got so hard, so overwhelming, that I say it just is meaningless. I don't know what your dark days are like, but I can tell you with mine, they look like that. I've had some seasons where if you poke me, you scratch me, it's like, whoa, that dude is so depressed. What's up with him? Nothing could cheer me up. No one could cheer me up. It's meaningless. 
Even leading, you can kind of sometimes at some point get the heart of Moses uh, on the journey, and you're like, God says, hey, give the people some water, and hit on the rock, but give me glory first, that it co- the water comes from me, and then just be like mad, like forget these people, or like Jonah, be like, I don't want to go reach those people anymore. I'm done building that way. And then at the end, he, Jonah, here he is, uh, you know, repents and all of this, and, uh, and, 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 and like gets to be on the mission, but at the end, it's like, man, I, God, I knew you would help these people. I knew you did it. <laughs> Still living in some type of prejudice towards people. You guys, our hearts can get callous quick. But God's love can open us up to why we start. Because there's nothing else. And Pastor Brad, he recommended this book to me, and I thought it was good. Uh, a recommendation after 21 days of prayer, and it says, Connecting with God in a Distracted World. It's called The Praying Life. And Tim Keller writes a quote. It says, A great book on prayer. Biblical, practical, and readable. Biblical, practical, and readable. That's good. Uh, This book will help you generate a culture of prayer in you and those around you. And I thought, oh, that's it. It's not 21 days of prayer. It's a culture. So I I got a copy for myself. I haven't read this yet, so I can't. But I know it comes highly recommended. And uh, so I ordered three copies. One here for somebody that wants a culture of prayer. And they're like, this book is yours because you want to remember why we started and we're on this journey. So if this is you, is anybody here? Wait, yeah, right here. Okay. Um, and then where we're closing is not, um, no highlight. There's no exclamation point. It's really just a prayer to say, we want wisdom beyond our years, God. We want wisdom beyond our lifetime. And let me give an opportunity to receive the greatest wisdom this planet's ever seen. Jesus. We can know a lot, but at some point it's, it, there is faith involved. Faith. To believe in what? How? How do we make sense of good and evil? And how do we get back to God? We can't. But there is a who. who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We can't always make sense of all of the, the darkness in the world and why there is so much evil but there must be a purpose to suffering and God's ways are higher that he ultimately is using it. Why? He allowed his son to suffer. So we know that Jesus must care. So for the critiques of why there is evil, there's a greater example of faith and love that Jesus went to the cross never, never sinning never doing anything to be condemned to be guilty, but yet took the punishment for all of sin so that all God's kids could come back home. May we remember Jesus, the most wisest decision we can ever make is just to say who? Jesus. I don't know how. I don't. I've done so much wrong in my life, Jesus. One day when I stand face to face with God, I'm not sure if my life will even count, Jesus. How do I build something that matters, Jesus? Because I trust in his finished work on the cross, his victory I can receive. That's what grace is, friends. You and me will never be good enough. There's not enough home runs we can hit. 
And when we're in Jesus, our security is always intact. Nothing can take that away. And then it puts everything in perspective to seek God first because of what he's already done. Therefore, now I can go build things that matter. And that's what we'll look at next week. We'll look at how do we build something that matters? Give us texture, blueprints. and man, can, we, can we add some feet to it? If I was to run, if I was to walk. But friends, remember, everything's meaningless. If we have a house, if we don't have love and the people in it. Even in Revelation, it said, you know, the churches were getting rebuked. And one of them, you forgot your first love. They did all kinds of things right. You forgot your first love. And I thought, and that's often impacted me because city life, we started with love the city, right? Love the city. One life at a time. Love the city, you know. Wow. I pray I don't forget my first love. I pray we don't forget our first love because we can go out and do a lot of things. But without love, it doesn't matter. It's meaningless. So in this moment, I don't know what you got to ask the Lord to just say, hey, I want discernment today, God. I want wisdom today. I want to I wanna ask you. And you can come back home if you don't know Jesus. Just come home and just say Jesus, and then you're in. And you can ask for wisdom, reverence to know that, God, we need you. You're the creator. You know everything. We want wisdom beyond our years. We pray for a heart to govern your people, to lead your people. And that starts with letting you lead us because nothing else will matter. Nothing else will matter in the end but you. And as a people, we commit and we submit to your leadership, wherever that may take us. In the name of Jesus. So we're actually gonna sing nothing else. Sorry, I told you we're singing wait. We have to, just gotta go there. You don't have to stand, you don't even have to sing, but wherever you're at, let's all pray. Father, we want your wisdom. We want your leadership. We just want you. We just want you. I'm caught up in your presence. Oh, I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy
Backstage, just kind of closing my eyes and worshiping uh, together is uh, could almost you could almost feel like like Solomon would be like, yes, remember, you know, remember the first love, you know, because that's what his that's what his dad taught him too, David. That even after a mistake, just get on his face and say, God, no, it's about you. I've sinned against you. God, it's it's all about you. God, help us to remember, not just in this moment, but tonight, tomorrow, the weeks ahead. God, can we, we just, we just ask for you to be, like, never let us go. Remind us often so we can be in tune. Don't leave us alone. We make space for you in our plans in our projects and our to-do list this week. We want to see it as an adventure with you, God. Not a list of rules or obligation, but that your law is life-giving. To follow you is beautiful. To obey is better than sacrifice. We want to be people that follow you closely, God. And we know by your right hand, you hold on to us and you won't let us go. And we thank you that we're your sheep, we're your kids, and that we have each other to remind one another, to encourage one another, to pour confidence in one another when it is hard and when it feels meaningless, to know that in Jesus, there is always meaning. We never lose in Jesus. We never lose with Jesus, period.
God, you're our who. We just want you. And we pray today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will seal in us the work that has been done in this service. And all of God's people prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, I pray that you go in the strength of the Lord. And whatever the enemy tries to attack us with this week, just say, turn on the KB song. Not today, Satan. Da, na, na. You got to Google it if you don't know it. KB, not today. It's a good one. It'll be the anthem for your week. Jesus won. See you next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. It'll continue from this. And we're getting ready for Vision Sunday. So February 13th, come expecting. It'll give a little texture as we're looking ahead to the spring and summer, what God's doing here. Hope to have you then. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time. And we won't stop until Jesus makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all.